Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a Born His Dream podcast. My name is Sonny Aibe. I have a special guest in the house today, Benny Matthew. I want to thank you for coming to the podcast channel. And then, how are you doing today? I'm good, brother. I uh, I appreciate you inviting me to this because uh, we met in person for the first time last week, right? And but that, in but person. when we talked in person, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean in person. Yeah. But when we talked, we just hit it off. Like I was like, man, this guy. I was talking about you to like at least six different people. I'm like, I just met this guy who's got the most energy I've ever seen in a human being. I think the only reason why that happened because you were open minded, yeah, and you were open to any possibility. That's yeah. what we're able to yoke. And then thank God to my boy, Kelvin, who was able to... Kelvin, yeah. I got I him sponsoring him right here. Sponsor, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think before he reintroduced us, I think I was aware of you. We also... We were make, following each other on Instagram. Instagram yeah. yeah. And you used to also go to Tony P Networking? I've networking? been to like one or, one or two, two of his events, but we didn't meet there. Well, I don't think we, we connected. No, no. That's cool. And then one thing I actually appreciated about you is like we kind of like agreeing on so many things, and we have we view life in the same perspective. Um, we believe that anyone who is given an opportunity is able to utilize it. We believe that every individual human being should be able to work, you know, uh, create, and then use that to develop. You know, I think it's a free society whereby no one is holding you from being who you want to be. It's all believing in mindset. That's what we're here today. So a Born His Dream podcast content is to empower people. It's to let people know that adversity is a key that was going to make you. Adversity is good. You know, you have to go through it. You have to be processed. You have to get wisdom to be able to do greater things. And the opportunity is there for everyone. It's all depend on whether you want to harness that, whether you want to recognize it, whether you want to grab the opportunity and make it to benefit you. So you came from your 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 parents are immigrants. So I need you to like please tell us how <laughs> you became who you are today. And you are a founder of so many enterprises, you know, just like yeah. break it down for us. Well, okay, so uh <laughs> Benny Matthew, but I came here, I came to the U.S. when I was seven years old. I'm South Indian, mm -hmm. uh, the, literally the very, very, very bottom of India, a uh, place called Kerala. I came here when I was seven with my parents. We, I have a younger brother and younger sister. Um, we grew the best way to describe my childhood is I say I grew up poor in a low-income neighborhood. Wow. So there was a... Um, it, there's a place called Melrose Park, and there's a lot of history behind Melrose Park, but I grew up on the border of Melrose Park and Maywood. And growing up, I didn't um, I didn't have, I'm, like I said, I'm South Indian, and we went to a South Indian uh, Catholic church that my parents went to. Uh, yes, there are South Indians that are Catholic. Uh, wow. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to so, say they're all Hindi. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone thinks it's like Hindu or Muslim or Sikh, but... There's a there's a small population in India that's uh, Christian, but a small population of a billion people is a lot, right? So, um, but so yeah, I um, you know besides for the interactions I had with people at church, I didn't really know too many um, Indian people because I didn't go to school with them or anything like that. Um, but it wasn't until I want to say uh, my senior year in high school, we moved to Addison, and that's when I started to go into school there my senior year. In Addison Trail, that's when I met Indian people that I became friends with. And then college, you know, that's when I met a lot of Indian people. So, um, but growing up, it was really 
difficult for me to, I think it was more of my own mindset is that, uh, you know, everyone at the church was middle class. And back then I thought that was rich because we lived in this tiny little apartment, uh, the five of us. And uh, my parents didn't have an education, but they more than, um, you know, they were, they're the best parents that I could have ever asked for, especially my mom, because she, she worked as a, an aide at uh, multiple hospitals. She worked 16 hours a day. She came home. She cooked for us. She showed us unconditional love. Wow. And, um, you know, I look back at, I, it was la- a year and a half ago. I remember, I saw this old photo album at my uh, parents' house when I was visiting them. And there's this one picture I saw from my eighth grade class. It was from right before our graduation. And uh, there was me. There was two of my friends who were black. There were uh, two guys that are both white and um, a girl who was uh, one of our friends. And that picture, it it was a moment in time for me because I still remember looking at that. And I'm the only one that's here, meaning um, at where I'm at right now because, you know, one of my really good friends in um, junior high in eighth grade uh, he was, you know, he was killed when we were sophomores, I want to say, in high school. He went to a different high school. He went to the high school in Maywood. Um, my other friend, uh, two of my, two of the guys that were white, um, they both, um, they both died uh, before they turned 35. Um, one of them, you know, had a very rough upbringing and um, had a lot of issues that, you know, with drugs and uh, things like that. And uh, the girl that was in the picture, she died before, I'm 40 now, she died before, I want to say four years ago, you know, and I lost touch with a lot of them when we moved to Addison. But, you know, once you, you, you hear through the, the grapevine of what's happened and my other buddy, he played, uh, he played college football and I still stay in touch with him. Um, You know, he's, he's doing good. He's, you know, he's doing, he's doing fine. But so, and then when you look at my, the first high school I went to, which was in North Lake. The amount of people when I look at those pictures that are not alive right now is is you know it's astonishing and it's a um, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that and that I'm there's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful to God the universe for uh, for letting me see things a different way. I appreciate that. That's that's just amazing. You know, there's a power within you that you only was able to discover there. The same power and strength I give that God gave every individual the day they were born to survive. So most people utilize it and most people fail to utilize it, maybe because of upbringing or fear or whatever. And that pushes me back to mindset. You understand what they said about mindset. Mindset is the thing that helps you to either move on or yeah. get stuck. Yeah. Most people get stuck and some people move on. And then what is the thing that help people to either move on or get stuck? What is how come that some people are able to like just like overcome and some people just get eat up by their adversity? And then I and you are an immigrant. We have a very rough upbringing. Today we're here creating yeah. our own businesses, yeah. businesses and motivating and uplifting and just pushing everyone to do better. What is it about you? that enable you to overcome instead of getting stuck like so many people. Your friends who died, who get wasted, they could have been able to like overcome, but they yeah. couldn't. Yeah. How come they're not able to push through 
What is it that thing that is not letting people push through and some people were able to like say, okay, I got this and they pushed through. What is it? You know, I, I mentioned I grew up Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom is the, she's the reason why I know God exists. Oh, you have someone. Yeah, my mom is pushing. just, she is very, she's not into the, you know, the political BS of okay. religion. It's more the, the oneness with God, right? Okay. And so I always felt special because I was her son. And so um, there was a lot of things that, you know, in life that happened that I, you know, I made mistakes and all that, but there was something that always saved me from it, you know? And I think for me specifically, it's my mom, uh, like throughout my whole childhood that made me say, okay, this is what's happening, but you got to figure something out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, cause I, I'll be honest, like I didn't learn much in high school or college or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I learned from people. I, I, since I was a kid, it, that was always the one thing that I always gravitated to. I was fascinated by stories of people. That's why like when, when we met up in person, like I was just so curious about you and your your perspective and what drives you to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of different things that taught me and helped me make better decisions as I got older. But I would say, um, you know, I my biggest, my biggest blessings that I've had in my life is the adversity that happened in my life. Okay. Um, you know, I, if I say the biggest adversity that I had was when I was 18, I got into a, a very bad car accident. I was on a ventilator for multiple days. Mm-hmm. I broke almost every single bone in my body. This hip is all metal because it was shattered. This hip broke, but they were able to repair it. My lungs collapsed. Ribs got fractured. I had a basal skull fracture. I had brain fluid leaking from my left ear. So I'm actually 100% deaf in my left ear, so mm-hmm. I can't get that back. Um, the left side of my face was temporarily paralyzed. Um, again, it was even like, that was a, that was a moment where I feel like I I was so confused as to why that happened. I, I felt like I didn't deserve that because I had worked so hard to just get into college and to get these grants and loans and all just to go to college. And then that happened a month after I got to college, you know, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. But dipping into that, adding to that, but that needed to happen for you to actually, yes. For you to actually get dissected and have the wisdom that you have yes. right now, because some people think uh, adversity is a is a bad thing. They're like, oh well, I'm going through this bad stuff right now. I'm finished. God does not like me. I'm giving it all up. That's the reason why they turn around, and start doing bad stuff. Oh well, fuck God. Yeah. I don't care. Why do I have to suffer? Adversity is a gift from God. He said, go through that phase. By the time you survive it, just like Job. If you survive it, the next phase of your life is going to be better because yeah. you would have learned something that's going to help you retain this. But people don't want to cherish it. They don't want to embrace it because it's too difficult. Back to someone being in your life, someone backing you, I mean, a mentor, a mom, a dad, somebody, you know, for any individual child, any individual person to succeed in life, there must be someone that's pouring into them. I always encourage that. That's the reason why I tell men, women, black, Indian, white. I said, go home and do your homework. Take care of your children. Support your children when they're born. Don't just bring them to life and just let them suffer. Somebody got to be there advocating for someone, these children, so that they can grow up and learn those 
ethics and you know basic skill sets so that we can help them succeed in life. And I want to give it up for your mom for being there. Although your father also played a very yes, significant role yes. that made, but mom was the key. Yep. So there's always one person. This is why I have three mentors. Two women and one man, mm-hmm. and then I have support group. But before I turned forty, I didn't have none of those things. Yeah, I was born rejected. Nobody wanted me because of the ethnic, you know, value. You know, being born out wedlock in Africa, you I are. Mean, that's a whole yeah, different. You, that's a whole new level. Yeah, you know, that's why a boy and his dream is all about to target everyone who's facing adversity. There are three billion underprivileged children globally. You didn't know that. Nobody knows that. The CNN is not talking about this. This is why poverty is so spread across the nation, globally. Because what happens is that when you're born into nonsense and you don't have support at all, guess what? If 10% are in it, 1% will survive. The rest will be wiped out because technically, tough times destroy people who are not strong. And you know the language that the universe recognizes, the universe respects is strength. If you don't, if you're not strong, you get eaten up. If you're weak, you're done. If you're strong, you keep going. But the weak can get the basic support that they need mm-hmm. if they're open-minded, if you're open up to it. And I want to thank you for listening to your mom, Dan. Although you made a mistake in the past, those mistakes are the what corrected you right now that you're in the place where you are, being able to create businesses. Now you're giving back to the community. You're not even thinking about, oh, how much millions am I making from all this no. motivation I'm giving? You know, it's I, I don't I don't think that. When I was younger, I when I was in my 20s, I was, you know, I had all these goals, if you want to call it that, of like the life that I wanted to live and I needed to make this much money and get to this level. But I, I never had an intention of being an entrepreneur back then. Okay. You know, uh, that was... That was like the goals that I had. And then it was, I had a, my aunt, my mom's oldest sister, who passed away from cancer uh, in 2011. And that was a big changing point for me because the, the night that she died, I was in the hospital um, with, her, with her husband because I lived right by them. So as soon as my uncle called me and said, hey, uh, your aunt, we got I think this might be it. We have to go, we're going to the ER right now. And there was a, it's like one of those things that get enriched in your head, entrenched in your head. Like it was me, my younger cousin, uh, my uncle, her husband, and my aunt was laying unconscious on the uh, uh, in the hospital bed. And you know that machine that goes beep beep. Mm-hmm. She had one hand with, I was holding one hand, and he was uh, my uncle was holding the other. It was like beep beep beep. You know, and fading out. You think that person done? Gonna be and she done. was done. And that was such a. I didn't realize that at the time because it took me a while to figure that out. She did everything that you were supposed to do. She's the one that came to the country, to the U.S. in the late 60s. She bought, all, you know, my parents, my aunts, uncles, all that. She was the one that was kind of like the savior to our family. True that. And um, she did, she worked extremely hard. She was a nurse. She worked two jobs. And I remember, I mean, she struggled with cancer for, you know, the last two years before she passed away. So, and I lived by her, so I would see her a lot. And that day she died was when it was like, I I wasn't sure anymore about the societal rules of what you're supposed to do. True that. What you're supposed to follow. And ever since then, so that was 2011. So let's just say right around 20, after that, like 2013 is when I made this commitment to myself that. I'm going to figure myself out, you know, and, and that's when like the word self-awareness really got entrenched into me. And it so hard. 
Yeah, it did. Because mm-hmm. before that, um, I mean, I was married for two and a half years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after it was 2013 where I just realized something was off about that. True and that. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling, um, I was not, it just didn't feel right, you know? True that. And then. You probably haven't even accepted yourself. You haven't even figured no, your own self out. I didn't. Same thing that happened to me. I thought that when my father rejected me and people around everything that I know didn't want me, I thought that when I created my own family, that would be the result of everything. But I have not accepted myself. I have not accepted the condition of which I was born. Yeah. So I got married. It didn't work. Not until you have to like go through divorce. After all that craziness went, I have to accept myself. The moment I learned to accept myself, that's everything stopped making yeah. sense. You know? I think that was, you know, I had, looking back, I mm-hmm. look at it as a child, I had so many insecurities, man. Because I felt like I was racially confused. I, I mean, I, you know, these days you have... I'm not even going to go and go into the whole you identify as what, but um, when I was growing up, I wanted to be black. Dude, that, like, that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't like being Indian, and then there was so many insecurities of of that I had that I didn't realize until probably like you know ten years ago or whatnot. And then when you realize it, that's a first step is awareness. But after that. You have to figure out a way to work through it. It's not up to the world to change that for you. No, it's, all, it's, your, it's your responsibility. Yes. And then going back to that, what was that thing that was the inferiority towards you that didn't make you to want to claim Indian? What was it? Because like me, what makes me don't want to be there because of that? My father didn't want me. Yeah. My mother was a girlfriend to her. And then the way I was brought to life was not normal. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm not normal. I think something's wrong with me. You know, yeah. That's why nobody wanted me. Uncle, auntie, everywhere I go, they didn't want me to stay. So that stick in my head that, oh, boy, you're not a normal kid. You're not wanted. Yeah. Can you imagine and many, so many other children right now be driven with that mindset. That's why you see people, kids are going crazy. Oh, I don't care. Nobody wanted me, so I'm not going to waste people. I'm yeah. going to rob a bank or rape people. That's what's happening. So how come the society is not addressing that issue instead of making it look as if it's race or black and white or Indian? So that's going to take me back to what's significant, how important is it for one to know himself or herself? And does race truly play a major significant role, whether you're going to succeed in America or not? And because this is a, a land of the living, the land of opportunity. Do, it, does it really matter the color of your skin? I understand that so many people have the upper hand. You know, the resource has been built for so many entities and whatever. And But yet you're able to create your own and no one is taking it away from you. Does it? Does race really play it? Um, I think the first part of your question, how yeah. important is it for you to, I think, I'm not going to speak for other people. For me, mm-hmm. the most important thing in the world is is self-awareness. Okay. And I don't think there's a finish line to that until you die, right? Mm-hmm. But I think you have to keep focusing on understanding why you think a certain way, why you react a certain way, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And who you really are, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you want to work on, what you, uh, what you know, maybe that... Where you're, you, if you spend time developing it, it's probably not going to matter because you're not going to understand it, and that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Now, race. Um, growing up, I thought that was the most important thing. You know, I thought, uh, and you know, when I was in school when I was younger, I mean, I got my ass kicked by, uh, I think it was sixth grade or whatever, by a bunch of um, you know white kids that were um, that were in my class, and you know, got picked on and all that, and then. Um, 
it was sixth or seventh grade that I really discovered the two things that I loved and still, well, basketball and rap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, it was like, I mean, I think seventh grade was when um, I, I just wanted to hang out with my with the the kids over black, and because it just I felt better, you know, I fit in more with them. Mm-hmm. And on TV, as a kid, you're watching, you know, you see a lot of things on TV, especially when you're not around your own people. And the only Indian person back then that was on TV was in a cartoon, The Simpsons. It was Abu, <laughs> uh, the guy with the funny accent. Uh, so there was just all these things. And then even when um, I got to high school, uh, you know, there was one point by where I got basically almost killed by um, people who are not white, Hispanic. Um, so I faced racism from every single race you could potentially think it's, of. It's but crazy, growing yeah. up, it was... I wanted to be until I got to college. I was more of the guy that wanted to be black because of the things that I liked. And now, where I'm at right now, from then till you know, from what uh, when I graduated high school, which was 2000 to now, I think race is a social construct mm-hmm. that is created that was made to create division. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I, I just asked you guys this earlier: if you were to look at the U.S. and you were to look at the economics of it, what race, what country of origin do you think is the um, household income is the highest? I've asked this to at least 100 people in one-on-one conversations, and the vast majority of them say white people are either number one, white households, Mm -hmm. or they're in the top three. Is that true? They're number 20. Wow. Nigerians, actually, Nigerian households actually are at a higher income level. Yes, uh, the average white household, I think, is at like sixty-eight or seventy thousand. That's number twenty. Number one is Indians at one hundred and thirty-seven thousand, and then it's either Taiwanese or Filipino. But basically, it's all. I mean, the top twenty is filled with countries that are Asian, and there's also Australian and Nigerian. Um, and what's responsible for that? Well, I think. You know, you and I have talked about this before, but I think there's something about the heart of an immigrant. And I think most immigrants from Asia, from all the countries in Asia, started coming around the 60s, 70s, and then 90s was when, 90s and 2000s, there was a lot, right? So I think a lot of people who came in as immigrants or now have kids that are first generation because they were born here, I think there was a very, very high focus on... Um, education is one, um, and two is financial stability. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're, and it was almost like no matter what you dealt with, you had to figure that out because we came to this country so that you have a right, uh, you have the, uh, you could build a good future. Right. And then also on top of that, there's something about just the, the family values that I think, um, really helped because you kind of build together. Yes. Um, but you know, I will, I'll be the first one to tell you, there's a lot of things about the Indian culture, my culture that I absolutely do not agree with, but the economic standpoint and the educational standpoint is something to applaud. Yes. You know, also to add to that, you know, all these things can be broken down in different sectors, Yeah. economic point, you know, educational point, family value, you know, whatever. One thing you, you understand that we live in a very free society. You cut a pile, and if you can swallow, that's a choice. If you cannot swallow, that's a choice. Right. America is a nation of a free will. You do what you feel like. 
they gave you the authority for you to be yourself, but there are rules. Some people don't know how to manage their freedom. So this is the reason why a lot of people get into trouble. Yeah. You know, for people who came from a different background, some culture are very strict, some are not. So those culture who are strict that believe in family value, they come in here, they bring that culture, they stick by it. Yeah. And they succeed more with that. And those who just like gave up their culture and dive into our American culture, oh, this is a free way I can do whatever I feel like. Once you make one mistake in America, such as divorce, such as bankruptcy, yeah. such as all that stuff, you're done. You are done. You cannot survive. So those are the things that happen to many families that they didn't know. They have no awareness. We talked about awareness earlier. If you know better, you do better. And everything around you become better. So they make those mistakes and they were able to correct it by giving birth to offspring and letting them know, hey, these are the mistakes we made. Don't do it anymore. So my question is that my people here, what is it that is still affecting my people here, whereby so many majority of them are not able to break free from the freedom they inherited from slavery and all that. And I want to be part of the solution. And I want to help set my people free. And I will continue to hammer this and yeah. speak on the until all of them are free from the mindset. So I came to realize that it's all here. Yeah. It's all mindset. You can pick and choose whether you want to be like your father yeah. or you want to, whether you want to be something different. Right. You can pick and choose whether you want to be exactly how the government want you to be or you want to be something different. No one is even actually controlling how you want to be. It's your choice. You know, in last episode, I had my boy Malik was talking about yeah, the free that. will. Yeah. That God gave you free will. It can be a blessing or yeah. a curse. And uh, some people make it a, a curse to them. And uh, some people take it as a blessing. That's the reason why people become a doctor, a lawyer, because the things that worked are what so many people want to embrace. And then here you can see some vast majority of people pursuing a very quick patch, quick patch. And if you want to fix it and just keep going, you think that you can just do whatever you feel like, but because you are allowed to do it, there are consequences to every actions that we take. You know, and I'm glad that you came to this podcast today. You know, we're going to continue to like do episode upon episode and keep bringing everyone out, keep motivating people to let them know that there's so many options to life. Yeah. You chose what works for you and go with it. But no one is judging you, but do not, do not run away from the consequences from your own action because you make those choices. Yeah. And you dance to the tune as well. So this is what we're saying. Until then, I want to tell you, can you please tell to people the businesses that you have, how we can find you, whether on through social media, through email, website? Yeah. Yes, sir. So I'm uh, I'm the founder of Orion 3. It's uh, That's my company, but it's not, it's my life. So it's not, uh, you can't, I don't have an elevator pitch for anybody, right? True but that. I use three words to describe it. Creating conscious serendipity, because I, everything about that is authenticity. Orion 3 is a space, not a physical space, a mindset where you can be yourself, you can be free, you can learn from others from real perspectives, not the bullshit that you see on TV. Hey and the, I want to be in your space. I want to be in that space, yeah. man. I want to be in that space. I'll be on the next event. I'm bringing all my crew. I mean, Orion 3 is, there's a lot that we do, but you can't think about it as though a traditional business because it, it would not make sense at all. Mm-hmm. It's about getting the right people together 
and talk and have real conversations where people could, you know, basically listen from their peers or whatnot, right? Um, but also um, on real issues. I mean, one of the biggest things that I'll tell you that people are struggling with right now is mental and emotional health. And mm-hmm. it's a, uh, I've been very open about my struggles my whole life with it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, you have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, some people, you have to take medications and stuff like that. But mental health to me is like physical health. You either work out or you don't. Right. And so I think you got to figure out that. So being able to share real perspectives on that is really important. And I'm just really, really, really blessed to have really cool people, really incredibly successful, influential people who through serendipitous encounters, serendipitous encounters, like they've come into my life. Um, And I was not planning on being an entrepreneur. Like I had no I was I thought I would climb up the corporate ladder and things like that. This happened in covid. (laughs) You know, like accidentally happened. And it was uh, one of my biggest mentors uh, and the person that I give all the credit to, a lot of the credit to for me making this choice is uh, the CEO of Jellyvision, Amanda Lanner. She sparked this thing in my head and uh, at the end of 2020, and then all of a sudden, January of 2021, I decided I was going to leave my safe, secure corporate career in the middle of a pandemic and start something that doesn't even make sense or doesn't have a business plan. Okay. Right. But then since then, now fast forward to now, I have the revenue streams come mostly from memberships. So okay. there's different types of memberships. Um, and, you know, I always talk about the results that happened. Right. So last year there was four point one million dollars worth of revenue generated from deals that I facilitated between the members. You know, okay. there was nine different executive level uh, positions that were filled at companies in Chicago based oh. on uh, like Kevin from Catalyst. I mean, his company became uh, I didn't even know him. He was a friend of a friend and he saw some of the things that I was posting on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and he reached out to me and he said, hey, man, I want to I want us to be a member. I, I'd love to get. So I got to know him and I said, OK, cool. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's you, gotten business out of that. So you should pretty much connect companies, entrepreneurs. Yes, there's a lot of stuff like that. And yes. A subscription base. And a- it's a it's a yearly membership, you know, but it's, um, you know, I would. So when you have all these incredible people who can. Orion 3 can be the 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 thing that the conduit that kind of lets them be authentic and real it's because trust is mm-hmm. a huge issue mm-hmm. when you're buying. I'm from the B2B space, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, and so I led sales and business development for two different companies in my corporate career. And um, so if you can establish a trust, then doing business doesn't get it's easier. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's what it it's about. That's why I'm so selective in terms of even events. Like I'm the only person because all the events I do are private, but I'm the only one that puts, please don't forward this and don't bring guests because I pick individual people based on what I know of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's just a lot of things. I mean, my, my overall vision for this is bigger than anything that I could ever express in words, but you can't think about it from a business standpoint because I get asked all the time, how are you going to scale this? How are you going to scale this? I'm like, I don't care about scaling right now. You're just doing what works right yeah. now and yeah. it's actually working. Because at the end of the day, this is, I, I you mentioned, you know, um, young kids right now and the mindsets. I think for me, this is all about freedom, freedom to think, freedom to learn, freedom to teach, freedom to talk, right? Um, and freedom to think. And that's what I've gotten the last two years f- from building Orion 3. It's actually been exactly two years now. And it, it, my life has drastically changed the people that are now my mentors that that I'm around all the time, 
uh, that's changed. It's just, uh, you know, it's been the coolest experience of my life. And this is, instead of giving you a business plan, I tell you about the purpose of it. That's it. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, and I keep it very, very private. That's why, like, it's not a, uh, you can go on www.orion3.com. But you'll never see something that says contact us or reach out for questions or sign up for anything because I have to know there's over 900 and it's like 950 people almost uh, from Chicago that are executives from all these different industries who I've gotten to know who I genuinely like and respect that are part of it. And the stuff that we do together are really, really cool. I mean, one of the things that came out of it uh, kind of came out of it, but uh, I was able to help build it is um, I mentioned to you one of my mentors, Robert Blackwell Jr., right. mm-hmm. uh, his Vision is almost exactly like what you're saying, but mm-hmm. he wants to be able to create more black entrepreneurs that reflect yeah. the modern economy. That's exactly what so I'm doing. B2B, well, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of is him want him um, launching this thing called Tesk. It started out as the Entrepreneurial Saving Chicago, but it's on a much bigger scale than that. So he reworded it where it's the entrepreneurial saving cities. And by that, it means big cities, right? Where um, at the end of the day, if you want to create a more prosperous big city, you need to have more black people get a piece of the pie. Involved. Right? Mm -hmm. And so that means you need to hire these black companies to be the ones, you know, to be your clients. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of great black people who are well educated. Yes. I wasn't in finance. I went to Purdue. Right. I have my MBA at Purdue. I was in insurance. It's hard to break into those sectors because those sectors are primarily white. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not racial, but that's how it's set up. Once you understand what works, if you know what works for you, take it. Take that lane. Right. And I was like, okay, this is not, I'm not going to make it here. I won't be able to raise my kid. That's right. I, I spawn it around. Now I do corporate wellness. And so I created a product, a subscription base to target the top executive yeah. and company. That's yeah. exactly what I do. White folks are not stopping me. Right. No one is stopping me. I think the only person that's going to stop me is me. And I'm not ready to stop me. No, you're not. I wake up at 4 a.m. I, I go to bed at 9 p.m. I have a schedule. I have a family. I have great friends. I have a community that we need to protect, and this is how we're going to ride. Do you know who David Goggins is? Of course. You, it's you, the same that's thing. That's the first thing I that came to mind when, I, when I met you Gagging. the first time. Yes, yeah. sir. The same thing. Just the fact that he's, he's in the Marine, yeah. and I am not a Marine. <laughs> All right? So, so we're fighting the same fight, yeah. you know, the fight of greatness. Again, mindset has significant role whether you're going to make it or not. Your mindset is what controls you, whether you break down or you know keep going your adversity. Let me tell you, we're gonna conclude this episode by saying this. This quote, I've repeated it before and I'm gonna say it again. I'm not the original, but I just added it to him. Once you know better, you can do great things and everything about you, everything around you will become better. And learn to apply yourself. If you want people to respect you, position yourself the way you want to be respected. And that's exactly how what's going to happen. If you want people to underrate you, behave poorly. If you want people to respect you, position yourself. And eventually people will start giving you a chance to be yourself. That's just the way it is. I think that we have more opportunity right now, more than in the 80 and the 90. So go ahead and tap into the opportunity, utilize it and make it better. Those children right there running wild on the street, get off the street because they're also going to hold you accountable. Now they're letting you do it. They're going to come back and say, well, 
you're a criminal. So think about it, whether you're a criminal or not. That's your choice to make. I'm not judging you. I'm here to motivate you. My name is Sonny Aigbe, a boy on his dream podcast. I'll see you next time.